1: here we are it's our first episode in november of 2019
0: post halloween
1: post halloween halloween is but a bitter cold memory
0: oh it's the worst time of the year
1: uh and i would like to begin this new month (laughs) by discussing something that happened in our last episode
0: uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: Where we gave our Halloween time recommendations.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And there was a heated debate <laughs> over pinwheels.
0: You mean cut-up sandwiches?
1: S- wrap sandwiches that are cut up.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, wraps, yes. Vers- not a full-on sandwich.
1: Versus, no, sandwiches are not wrapped. A wrap sandwich is wrapped. uh i okay so anthony was all excited to serve pinwheels at their (laughs) halloween party (laughs) and it turns out that i was talking about the pinwheel cookies which are... are
0: delicious granted i mean you get chocolate you get the graham cracker you get the marshmallow
1: right anthony was talking about wrap sandwiches that are cut up And so we got into a little debate. What's a pinwheel? Well.
0: Some might call it a tirade.
1: (laughs) Some might call it out of control. Afterwards, Anthony sends me a picture of pinwheel sandwiches and says, just saying. I sent you a Google
0: screenshot Where I typed in the word pinwheels, and the first thing that comes up on that image search is, lo and behold, pinwheel sandwich wraps. Wrap sandwich
1: that are cut up.
0: Organized on a tray. And you know why I sent that to you, Stacey? Because you have it set on your Facebook that you can't post on your wall. And I wanted to passive-aggressively post (laughs) that on your wall. But instead, I had to settle for private conversation between us.
1: Well, and, you know, not to doubt you, but I doubted this photograph. I said to myself, this must be some kind of Photoshop trickery.
0: I doctored it. Designed
1: (laughs) to fool me into thinking I was wrong. And so then I took to the Google computer and into Google Images, I typed pinwheels. And it was hundreds and hundreds of photos of wrap sandwiches that are cut up. <laughs> and I got so mad at <laughs> the internet, life, food, myself, you most of all. <laughs> Where?
0: Well, it's deserved. <laughs>
1: And I just thought, but it's not a pinwheel. And so then a friend of mine who had listened oh, to the no. episode texted me and said, I've never heard of that sandwich thing either. This is the pinwheel cookie I was thinking of. And it was also a swirl, but it was like a chocolate vanilla thing. And to the both of you, I say, <laughs> those those sandwiches, those wrap sandwiches that are cut up and that swirl cookie she sent are like unto a Swiss roll that has been sliced. This is not a pinwheel. If you put a pinwheel in your yard, or a small child holds a pinwheel, it has petals. However, all of this yeah. to say, also, mea culpa, mea culpa, because I'm the only person who thought of the other pinwheel cookie... Clearly, I, without knowing it, I was thinking of like a brand, basically. So it turns out that I'm like a capitalist fucking bootlicker, and I didn't even oh, know.
0: Oh, the plot thickens.
1: So what I'm trying to say is that we're all wrong. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we're all wrong.
0: And despite what Google Image Search has proven.
1: Well, it's proven that everybody is wrong. (laughs)
0: everybody's wrong. This is Berenstein Bears.
1: That might be what you call them, but that is not what they are. I just... Why are they not swirlies? (laughs) No, I That's that's the... Swirlies?
0: Little swirlies. It's got a little toilet with a sandwich (laughs) to it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, why are they not uh, roll sandwiches or something? Nobody wants to eat that.
0: That evokes, like, a Kaiser roll or something, and that's not what this...
1: Sandwich. call them a... swiss sandwiches like they're swiss rolls it's a swiss roll except it's fucking bologna and cheese or whatever
0: but and... then that's a copyright infringement with the swiss cheese people with big swiss
1: well everybody's wrong <laughs> especially google images fuck you alexa or whoever the hell's in charge of it the end
0: it really it really is alexa's fault <laughs> She's the one behind this. This is a calculated scheme by Alexa and Jeff Bezos to drive you insane.
1: I think so. Uh, Oh, well.
0: This is your Let's Scare Jessica to death.
1: (laughs) It is. It's It's just that there's a wrap sandwich rising out of the lake.
0: Yeah, it's just looking at you. It's like, Stacy. Coming
1: towards me. And I say, no, I don't like a wrap sandwich, first of all. Second of all, you're not a fucking pinwheel. You're a roll. I
0: I don't have any pedals, Stacy, but... You're not a Can you wheel. believe it? Can you believe it's a pinwheel, Stacy? <laughs>
1: no, I can't, and I won't ever. <laughs> so stop trying to make me. I just loved how
0: how hung up you got on this idea of the petals, justifying the <laughs> real nature of it. And at one point, you said something like, "But that doesn't even make sense. You would have to eat all the pieces of the sandwich individually to create
1: the petal shape." I'm really hung up on those petals. Uh, so if nothing – you are nothing if not – I'm a pinwheel a pu- purist.
0: A purist fighting for um, the geometric uh, authenticity of a of a pinwheel experience.
1: I've said my piece. I'm still not eating any of them. Also, how do you eat it? Do you eat it – okay, so they're cut into discs oh. like a hockey puck. This is just – because I looked at it and I was like, I wouldn't even know how to eat it. So it's like a hockey puck. <laughs>
0: This is just like that scene in Under the Skin when she's trying to eat the cake and (laughs) Stacey just staring at a pinwheel.
1: It's shaped like a hockey puck. Yes. But it's around the edge that all the insides are covered, not on the top and the bottom. So do you eat it? How do you eat it?
0: Like, do you put it in with the meat facing the top of the roof of your mouth? Right. Or like, do you put it in facing the back of your gullet?
1: I'm always interested in how you put it in. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I don't know how to eat it, so, not that I'm going to, but I'm just saying. Do
0: you feel excluded by pinwheels? Is that what's actually happening (laughs) here? You don't know how to eat it, and so you're afraid of- Well, uh... no,
1: now that I've looked at these disgusting things, I'm wondering (laughs) how people eat them. (laughs) My God, it's eight minutes in. How does anyone, and furthermore, how does anyone (laughs) eat these
0: sandwiches?
1: Anyway, October's over. Good riddance, I say. (laughs) It's November time. Time for Satanists. Time for Satan. Time for Satan understands. Satan gets us. Satan gets us. Yeah, we're doing
0: a whole month of Satanic shit. Satan month. I can't wait. I yeah. love Satan. Yeah. I mean, what better way to follow up which month and the insanity of of the D-centric Halloween than <laughs> with Satan, uh, his, her, or their self. Mm-hmm. Liberator. Yeah. Love a Satanic feminist liberator.
1: Yeah. Uh, and we're kicking off Satan month with a Satan-tastic movie.
0: Oh. Oh. <laughs> We've been talking about this one for a while. We've actually name-dropped it several times on the show previously.
1: We have. And it was- For various reasons.
0: I thought it was quite lovely to both discover independent- Like, kind of as a surprise that we both independently love this movie and have a history with this film. Right. Uh, So it was really nice to get to talk about it. Also, this is an oldie. This is, I think, the oldest film we've uh, addressed so far.
1: I think it is. I think- what was the the haunting would probably be the other one. 1963. Yeah. 63. Yeah. And now we're going back all the way to 1943, baby. Yeah. For a little movie called The Seventh Victim.
0: Oh my god, The Seventh Victim is so cool.
1: It is so cool. Um and <laughs> I'm going to let you give a synopsis because this movie is a mess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow, okay, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for throwing me into the lion pit, That's Stacey. the price
1: you pay. You sent me that pinwheel picture, and honestly,
0: this, <laughs> this is the judgment.
1: Now the bills come due, my friend.
0: <laughs> the price for pinwheels?
1: Give me a synopsis <laughs> of the seventh victim. <laughs> yeah, because it is a mess.
0: It's, uh, okay, so the seventh victim opens up with, uh, sweet little Mary, a.k.a. Kim Hunter. She is a student at a, uh, a lady school, a gal's school, a boarding school, if you will. Um, and she gets called into the office because, uh, her tuition is not being paid, and she can no longer continue to be a student. Tuition's not being paid because her sister, Jacqueline, who lives in the big city, in the Big Apple... Uh, Jacqueline has gone missing, and Jacqueline is, you know, lords over a cosmetics empire. She's a cosmetics baron. Love it. Oh, thank you, 1943 cosmetics baron businesswoman representation.
1: <laughs> uh, and
0: Jacqueline has gone missing, so she's no longer paying Mary's tuition. So she gets the option of um, uh, Mary gets told that she will that the school will pay to, to send her to New York to find her sister. Um, they were very involved and in actually go out of their way in offering her things while also saying you can't still be a student here because you're poor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we will buy you a train ticket to find your sister to kick off the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so Mary goes off to New York City to Manhattan in search of Jacqueline, her sister. Along the way, she encounters um, several people who know Jacqueline all the way from a uh, Mr. Ward, who is a friend question mark of Jacqueline's, who's later revealed to be Jacqueline's husband, as well as Jason Hogue, who is a poet and the child of the the two is no, he's not the child of the family that runs the inn, right?
1: No, he's just a guy. He
0: just he's a poet that hangs out there who says things like look into your heart, do you really want to find your sister Mary? <laughs> he's a fuckboy. Um And uh, over, over, she also encounters um, Dr. Judd. Dr. Judd is a psychiatrist who was seeing Jacqueline uh, just around the time that she vanished. Um, Jacqueline's been missing for like six months or something. Uh, As it, as it builds up and builds up and builds up, we basically discover and and Mary uncovers this mystery that Jacqueline, who has sold her cosmetics empire to Mrs. Reddy, uh, joined Ultimately, what is a satanic cult of sorts, they, they don't really refer to themselves as Satanists, but as devil worshippers. And they're called the Paladists. And the Paladists basically have this rule. They're, they're a group of nonviolent Satanists, which I love a nonviolent Satanist who's like, yeah. <laughs> listen, man, I'm a pacifist. Hail Baphomet. <laughs> but, uh, the nonviolent Satanists have a, a rule in their order that in any betrayal... For example, Jacqueline going to Dr. Judd and talking about being part of the satanic cult, any betrayal warrants death. Um, but because they are nonviolent, they have to basically provoke this person into killing themselves. Uh, there have been six betrayals throughout the history of their order and six deaths. And Jacqueline is on the docket to become the seventh, a.k.a. the seventh victim.
1: Hmm. Well done,
0: Thank you! Uh, I did it. I kind of did it.
1: <laughs> you kind of did it. You make it sound a lot more straightforward than it is.
0: It's a lot of like, It's a. I mean, it's all that, but then also, who is this guy? Who's this guy? Who are these people? Who are these sexy, boring people in this sexy, boring party? Uh, <laughs> and what's with this vaudeville uh, gay actor troupe <laughs> that also just <laughs> <Yeah>. shows up? <laughs>
1: Yeah, the movie throws lot. it throws a lot of plot threads and a lot of characters at you. Um, and it can and the you know, people have the secret identities like, oh he's he's her friend and her lawyer, but he's also her husband. And like there's just mm-hmm. and it all happens in like seventy five minutes. Yes. Um and it just It's it feels a little disjointed by the end of it. It's a bit of a mess, but it works. And I mean, even the
0: ending itself is kind of a mess, but it's uh, shocking and amazing. Oh, my God. But I I was even looking into that. And I mean, the history because this was a movie produced by Val Lewton, who also did Cat People. Um, I have never seen the original Cat People, actually.
1: Uh, oh my god. Everybody, if you are unfamiliar with the films of Val Luton, producer Val Luton, you I mean, and you're a horror fan and you can handle like a black and white movie. Uh I mean you cannot I Walked with a Zombie is fucking great. Yeah. Cat cat people's fucking great. Seventh victim, fucking great. Like all his stuff is uh Body Snatcher, like all his stuff is so good. Mm hmm. Um and they came to like uh He was a writer originally, and he basically the studio mandate was like he was the head of RKO's horror unit as the producer. And um, they had some mandates for the dark universe (laughs) of the RKO. (laughs) Um, And they had some stipulations for their movies, which was they had to be 75 minutes or less, uh, $150,000 budget or less. And uh, the supervisors, like the people above him, would provide a title other than that he pretty much had free reign and so he would hire writers and directors but he would basically write the final draft of all of these movies so they're his movies and he yes. was very exacting in terms of like stage directions and things like that but when he was coupled with a director like Robert Wise who did The Haunting or Jacques Turner or something like that he didn't have to worry um but Mark Robson who directed Seventh the Victim kind of Put some of his own stuff in there and edited things real weird, and so the ending just comes out of nowhere and it wraps up in like five seconds. It's
0: shocking. Maddie <laughs> it's... turned to me and just said, um, "What happened?" <laughs> yeah,
1: that's. Oh, it's over. Oh, it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, so it. It's. Uh, it's. But it's probably the biggest doubter of an ending.
0: Oh my god! And yet it's just amazing
1: it's amazing
0: it's amazing and we'll get to it but it's yeah it's a lot it's a
1: lot this movie is a this movie is really heavy like it's got a it's got a
0: a a strong air of ennui (laughs) wafting around it
1: ennui urban isolation um i think the thing about it is like What makes it so striking, aside from Jacqueline's bangs, (laughs)
0: uh,
1: um, is that it's not even, usually these kind of movies will have like, oh, there's an atmosphere of dread. You're just the dread and the tension the whole time. And it's like, it has that, but I think more so it has an atmosphere of doom. Yeah. Which I've never really felt in any kind of movie before.
0: Yeah, it's hopeless too. It's
1: absolutely hopeless. Like it just is a portrayal of that sort of meaninglessness of life mm-hmm. that I've never seen in any kind of movie, horror or otherwise. Like just that specific flavor of dep- of like existential depression. Like life has no meaning. Why are we even alive?
0: Like, I'm looking at a picture of Gene Brooks in this film right now. Gene Brooks plays Jacqueline, who is, I mean, the iconic vamp star of this film for of not even showing up until like more than halfway through the movie and then disappearing and then showing up again way later. Um, yeah. But like just her face in this film and just that sense of I mean, she's so uh, she's so uh, capable as an actor of conveying all that of like all the dread permeates the film and every frame of it and the story and the script and the set design, and the direction Uh, But it really she re embodies all of that and projects that out. But Mm -hmm. even just like looking at this picture of her face, (laughs) and this just like hopelessness on her face like it's the same way we feel I think after you look you spend too long staring at like an influencer on Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> to go back to, to something you and i were talking about <laughs> yeah. you know when you be, when you go you, you've seen one too many anthony on queer eye doing van camps fish sticks ads that you just <laughs> have to stare out into the hopeless existential angst you know true angst really yeah yeah <laughs> just
1: <laughs> that whole like what is the point of being alive like what for a long time i was determined that i was like i i went into a big existential crisis like
0: oh did you rent a room in manhattan with just a noose hanging
1: <laughs> practically uh but i you know it was like i i had kind of encountered death for the first time and so it was like that sort of rude awakening that you get where you're like oh wait yeah i am gonna die someday everybody i know is gonna die someday we're all gonna die that whole thing and so then like to twist it around and be like you know, what is the point of existence if you're just here for like 70 years or whatever, whatever the average is, and then you wink out of existence. It's like, what? Why is any of us here?
0: And you're gone.
1: And then you're gone.
0: You're gone it's just and a blink.
1: Yeah. It's just a blink in the, you know, and like eventually you're forgotten. And that's the end. And it's like, what is the point of that? Mm hmm. And so that kind of, like, existential despair, I've never seen it in a movie before. You've seen plenty of depression. I mean, Babadook is a good example of a movie about depression.
0: Oh, I thought that was about a, a queer icon.
1: Oh, it's about gay things. <laughs> uh, but I mean, no, I that's think... Annabelle. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I think Babadook is a really good movie about depression um, that really captures it. Yeah, it's brilliant. But,
0: that's why. Yeah. That's why I just don't understand any read of the Babadook as a gay character because I'm like, but yeah, it's her it's... depression.
1: Yeah, that it doesn't work for me. Yeah, but this specific flavor of it, like Seventh Victim, really captures it so well.
0: And and uh, it's funny that I mean it permeates around the character of Jacqueline, um, but when you get like when you get Mary's story, like Mary kind of exists sort of outside of that like she's like young and kind of uh, hopeful and starry-eyed in many ways she gets sort of a sort of a weird love story thing with this Jason guy the poet um she goes and she teaches kids she has a she has a life out there you know at the school beyond this whole drama with her sister um and then her sister is just sitting there renting rooms putting nooses in them because she even <laughs> Something that's fascinating about her as a character, too, and, and about this film and about this film in 1943, like, I mean, the production code was still in effect then, right? I think so. Like, I mean, there's so much about suicide in this movie. This film is about suicide. And right. the fact that she she's pressured into suicide by these Satanists, by the politists, but she also previously to that was already kind of constantly flirting with suicidal ideology yes and she's constant like like as as the movie goes on and you get to know more about this cult and you get to see them trying to get her to kill herself they're they're practically even saying to her like what is the problem now you've always said you wanted to just end your life or (laughs) or you wanted to know that you had an out um so like I, the character of Jacqueline having a room rented with just a noose hanging in it and a chair below it, so that she know and it brings comfort to her because she knows she has an out at any moment if the world mm-hmm. just gets too much, too suffocating or smothering for her. Um, it is. I mean, I say I say shocking a lot on this show, but this is truly shocking that it's this astonishing. was made. Yeah, it's and astonishing.
1: And, I mean, it was a gigantic flop
0: uh, because of that, because this <laughs> yeah. is some dark shit.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we're supposed to take it the end. If you don't know the end of this movie, um, it is just, it's it's very fast. And so it was supposed to, from what I understand from behind the scenes stuff I've watched, it, the moment was supposed to be held so that it would sink in. It was supposed to be know?
0: held, and there was a wrap-up sequence that came after.
1: Yeah, but so that you would was really cut. get it. But that was cut. So, you know, Jacqueline has returned to her room that literally only has a noose and a chair in it. Uh, Her sickly neighbor comes out and they have a little conversation. And the uh, neighbor that we don't learn anything about, except that she has a terminal illness... She has terminal Um, illness
0: and she's dressing up like, um, like Carol or like Elizabeth Bathory for one night out on the town. Yeah,
1: yeah. she's gonna, she knows she's gonna die and so she's gonna say fuck it and she's gonna dress up and she's gonna go out on the town and enjoy herself the way that she used to or the way that she should. Jacqueline spins all of this woman's I'm going to die into like a, so what's the point of existing if we're like we're all gonna die? So she speeds it up. So the woman is leaving for the night and we hear the chair drop in Jacqueline's room because Jacqueline has just committed suicide. Yep. And I feel like, are we supposed to take from it? The terminally ill woman who's leaving, walking down the stairs, going out, are we supposed to take from it? Like, life sucks. Life is hard. Yeah, we're all going to die. But you know what? You need to put on your sparkly jacket. And go enjoy yourself. I mean, yeah, right? Those are the two options. Yeah.
0: You either end it and just get it over
1: with. Right.
0: Or put you, you put on your fucking sparkly thing and you go out for a, a night out on the town.
1: Yeah. It's Man, just... terminally
0: ill, sickly neighbor woman's Such a bummer. <laughs> this whole movie's a bummer man when mary shows up and she's like oh i want to go see the room that my sister rented and the 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 sweet people that run the the inn or whatever are like trying to open up the door and then this terminally ill woman comes out and she's just coughing holding a handkerchief to her mouth (laughs) we never know her name we have a conversation between her and Jacqueline, and then we just have that ending of her walking down the stairs, like, just sullen, as you hear Jacqueline kill herself in the other room behind her. <laughs> yeah. And then the movie ends.
1: And <laughs> then the movie ends! Like, the woman is walking down the stairs and fade to the end. Yeah. That's it! Yeah. Like, and It's and wild.
0: And you're right, it should have been, I mean, just, I mean, it's such an impact that, but then it cuts to black, and it's like, wait, what, I'm sorry, what happened? Yeah. (laughs) But I, I, even Val Luton's son was saying, if they had just held the shot for five seconds longer to let it sink in, because you're still kind of questioning, did she just kill herself?
1: (laughs) Right, maybe if Sparkle Jacket, like, walked up to Jacqueline's door and paused outside. Yeah. Or something to kind of let us know, because it just happens so quickly that by the time we register what's happened, it's like the DVD is back on its main menu. Yeah, it's like. (laughs) Yeah. Watch with commentary. (laughs) It's such a wild movie.
0: Yeah. And but also, I mean, that abrupt ending, it does slap you in the face. I mean, it really does so it, really it does. even though it, it it could have been i mean if I don't think this movie should be remade because it's kind of perfect but if it was remade like that's a that's a thing where you could have that moment sink but it kind of even though it doesn't work as well it still works in its own different way by just like assaulting you with this woman just killed herself <laughs>
1: right yeah and then
0: it blinks out of existence much like Jacqueline
1: hmm It's interesting that you say it shouldn't be remade because I had the exact opposite thought afterwards like I was like I mean I love it I think it's iconic for a lot of reasons I really love this movie. But I also it doesn't happen often. But I came away from it thinking, like, even though it's as good as I think it is, like, I would kind of love to see a remake of this.
0: Well, as I, it's, I mean, it is funny that I said that too, because as I, like, when I was watching it, I was thinking this could be a prime candidate to be remade because I don't understand what's up with why are there three different dudes that we're constantly, in, when it could just be one guy. Like, yeah,
1: that's the thing. Is like to streamline it to get rid to up the. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to the. Homo erotic,
0: <laughs>
1: um, you know, Us? Like,
0: never.
1: I don't know if you picked up on that or not.
0: Mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, with little Francis,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. like it could be. It, I mean, so yeah, it, there's a but then the
0: things that do work work so well. Like right. I can't see anyone else as Jacqueline, and I can't. Right. I could never see that character without because it. I mean, listeners, if you don't know, I mean. And we referenced this on, on a previous episode talking about, like, what was our fashion inspiration, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Which was actually when you and I first started talking about Seventh Victim. But, like, her, just her look alone. I mean, her expressiveness, her acting, but even just her look. This, like, her vampire, those, like, just straight across bangs, which are, like, shockingly current right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Her fur coat. Just, like, it's so iconic that I, I would be interested to see what a remake could do. Um
1: Right. Well, I mean, you could keep it a period piece, so at least, you know. Yeah, it would almost could, could have an interesting look.
0: Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I uh, I would be open to Luca <laughs> doing Right. <this.
1: laughs> yeah. Starring Dakota Johnson. Yes. And T- Tilda Swinton as Mrs. Reddy. The
0: Pilatus are now a, uh, as you put it, a creepy um, lesbian sex coven.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. They are a creepy, sexy lesbian. Creepy sexy? Oh, did I say sexy? Sex coven. Anyway, we're talking about Susperia, of course. Um, yeah, but Jacqueline is one of those characters that it happens in horror sometimes. Is like when the supporting character, who hardly has anything to say, becomes like the indelible image or like the character you take away from the film. Like Marion Crane in Psycho. Yes. Or, like, um what was Drew Barrymore's Casey, was that her name? In Scream. Yeah. It's like you you think Scream? You think of Drew Barrymore on the phone.
0: I mean, it's you, only the best piece of cinema ever made. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like so Jacqueline is like that. Like she shows up. She has like ten lines in this movie. Um
0: It takes forever to get to her.
1: Takes forever to get to her, and then she quickly disappears again. Um but she is you know the seventh victim yeah
0: i I mean technically it's mary's i mean it's it's jacqueline's story but mary is the lead
1: right uh yeah
0: and yet, i mean jacqueline you just can't you can't forget her
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and her obsession with suicide and
1: so depressed so depressing
0: her cosmetic baroness world
1: i love a cosmetic baroness
0: la Jess cosmetics
1: <laughs> I, mean, I mean i love that their symbol is like a satanist symbol i know for the
0: cosmetics company it's
1: so great it's so it's, good it's
0: marcos adjacent um <laughs> but i mean also like i think this movie is surprising for many reasons there's the there's the there's, I mean, the, just the suicidalness of this movie in the face of the production code. There's the fact that this, I mean, going back to the production code, that this is a movie from 1943, and it's as wild as it is. Um, there's the the queerness that we'll talk about. And then there's also, like, this, the feminism of it. Like... Yes. I think it is really... Rev- like, is it not kind of revolutionary to see this woman running an entire company in Manhattan... Uh, and putting her sister through school.
1: Right. Yeah, for sure. And even Mary has that in her when, you know, she goes to look for her sister and she's very determined to do this on her own. And Ward, uh, Jacqueline's husband, lawyer, friend, tries to tell her what to do. And she's like, don't yeah. talk to me like I'm a child. I know what I'm doing and I don't need your help. Like, yeah. you know. Like... And, and this movie is
0: very, I mean, as dark as it is, there is also a strong thread of like personal agency and anti-establishment, uh, anti-organization, really. Um, which even sets up Mary's journey when Mary, like I was talking about how surprising it is with with the two the two school moms sending her off and saying like, well, you can't pay for your tuition, but we'll fund your trip to find your sister. And then they say one of them says to her, you know, Mary, you always have you always have the school to come back to. Um, and as Mary's beginning to leave, Mrs. Gilchrist follows her out in the hallway and goes, Mary, Mary, don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> you have to live in this world like
1: Right, not well, come back to yeah. the school. Yeah, she's like, I was in your position, and I came back, and I regret it. And, like, go be a woman in the world. Like, it's yeah. kind of amazing. Because what would have been, it's, what's the safer thing? Like, oh, come back here and be a teacher. You'll have a place. Like, because that was the job for women at the time. Like, yeah. Be a teacher or a secretary or whatever.
0: And I'm unsure, like, is it trying to, is there, is there, like, a weird kind of dual feminist but also anti-feminist thing where it's, like, trying to warn you of the terrors of, of becoming the independent cosmetic baroness in Manhattan <laughs> uh, and what happens when you go out into the world and you don't stay in the safety of the school. I mean, you could say that's in there, but also it feels like it's like, well, the world is fucked. You need to be your own person. And if, if it gets too much and you don't have that sparkly dress, you can just kill yourself. Like it seems, it
1: feels very morally <laughs>
0: yeah. gray and it's in what it's offering the viewer.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, it's. I think it's good that Mary doesn't, like, end up leaving. Like, she's made a life for herself now in Manhattan. Like, yeah, she's a teacher. Uh, but, you know, she doesn't ultimately run back to the safe environment of the school she came from.
0: Yeah. I mean, she briefly does uh, midway through the story. Right. But then ultimately she she escapes from it. Yeah, she breaks that connective thread.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's quite a movie. It's got some astounding, I mean, Val Luton has a very specific look to a lot of his films. There's some stuff in here that is very reminiscent of Cat People. Well, and um, I even
0: read that Dr. Judd is a character in Cat People. It's even the
1: same mm-hmm. actor. Yeah.
0: But I guess his character yeah. dies in Cat People, but comes back in this
1: yeah so it's kind of like they wanted to tie them together but it didn't
0: so this really is work. the valutin dark universe conjuring it universe. Kind
1: of, a little bit yeah but like the sequence when uh, mary and august the private investigator break into the cosmetics headquarters because there's a locked room and uh, yes. they want to get into the locked room so they go to the cosmetics headquarters after hours and man what a fucking sequence that is It's all shadows. There's a long, dark hallway. The locked door is at the end of the hallway. It's so dark that we can't see what's down there. And both of them are too scared to walk down this hallway.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And it's quiet. And the night watchman shows up. And, you know, eventually August goes down there. And then he stumbles out of the darkness.
0: Oh, so scary.
1: It's so scary. And he's been stabbed. And then Mary takes off and uh, hops on the subway. And kind of rides the subway for hours to like forget about it. And then she stops, the train stops back where she got on outside the cosmetics company, and two men get on and they've got August body with them.
0: And they're literally, they are weekend at Bernie's, Ing. Yeah. The dead detective, like investigator. Yeah. It's
1: so well done. And it's
0: so terrifying because she's just alone on the subway train. She's sitting there directly across from these two dudes. They're holding up his body. And she
1: just she knows who he is. She knows
0: who he is. But it it takes there's like three shots of her looking. And then even the viewers kind of like, wait, is that the dead guy? Because his face, his head's tilted down mm-hmm cut back to her she's still looking cut back to him his head gets lifted up she sees it she knows who it is and she's just stuck there sitting there with these the who are these monsters that is just carrying around this dead guy making him look like he's a drunk friend that they're taking home
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she even talks about it later like i saw him he was cut here and he was bleeding out and his 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 skin was white like mm-hmm. it's so upsetting yeah
1: And maybe I love subway horror, subway stations, subway trains. I love sequences that take place. It's subway stations. Like, they're always so scary. Uh, Yeah. And it doesn't help. I mean, Hmm?
0: oh, just how it goes full classic subway terror with her, like, running back to the other cab, finding an officer and then taking him back and they're gone.
1: Right. Yeah. I just always love it. It's always so... T- because it's like always empty. Like the stations are always empty. And being in an empty subway station at night is really creepy.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, but like Maniac has a great one. This. Jacob's Ladder has a great one.
0: I really like um, Creep where there's that, mm-hmm. that monster guy in the subway and Franco Patente has to fight him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. There's so many. I just love them. Uh, And then uh, the other iconic scene, I think, in this is the shower scene. Yeah. Which is super... uh, Very proto-psycho. Very proto-psycho. All the way down to that shot, man. Yeah. Mary's taking a shower. Someone comes in. It's Mrs. Reddy. And you just see it through the curtain. We never see Mrs. Reddy. It's just her shadow standing outside and it's just so there's such a tone of menace totally mrs
0: bates just standing there being like mary go back home (laughs) (laughs) why one one i mean you're just a you're just a a school gal in a big city you're taking a shower in your private room and then the woman that your sister sold the cosmetics company to without your knowledge just comes in the room and stands on the other side of the shower curtain and tells you to leave and to stop looking for your lost sister.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's fucked up. Like, that's it's when I'm like, up. I'm sorry. Did you knock?
1: Yeah, <laughs> she didn't. She just barred. She just walked in and
0: started talking at her. Maybe she needed to steam her face. Maybe she was cold.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just love all the intimidation in this. Like when August is going to, you know, Mary asks this private investigator. Or he introduces himself and blah, blah. And then someone up, someone else comes up to him and is like, you don't want to look for Jacqueline Gibson. You know, like all yeah. of those, like, you don't want to get involved in this. Like the same, yeah. at least they're trying to be nice and warn you away. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's another another trope I love is the, this shadow organization, the cult, you mm-hmm. know, the... They've got eyes everywhere. It's something that pisses me off and makes me angry and rage at the at the this. But I mean, this is again this anti-establishment thing. Is there is this like secret thing that's guiding the hand of something, mm-hmm. um, and they have like even the detective knows about them and knows to to shy away from them and ultimately gets killed by them and like spooky. Mm-hmm. And yet, <laughs> then you meet the organization. <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, who are these nice <laughs> suburban people in their smoking jackets and their <laughs> and their party gowns?
1: Well, it's super, 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 super proto-Rosemary's Baby. It is
0: so... I mean, just seeing... Because uh, you just did a great episode uh, with Colin Drucker talking about Rosemary's Baby.
1: I did. I was a guest on Colin Drucker's podcast, In the Details... A celebration of nuance and um we talked about specifically ruth gordon in rosemary's baby oh, but clean. we did kind of talk about the movie as a whole as well what a movie
0: god bless mini cast of that and seeing seeing um then you're because you're also posting now 31 days of Suspiri is over so now you're doing Blood um <laughs> great title thank you very much <laughs> And seeing your most recent, one of your posts about Rosemary's baby and the screenshot you posted of just, you know, Rosemary walks into that, into that room on New Year's holding that knife. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's just a, like, like they have pinwheel sandwiches, you know, just hanging out. <laughs> right. They're just normal people like waiting for baby Satan.
1: <laughs> right. Just the banality of evil. Like these are just, and and that's what. We talked about it, Colin and I talked about it on the show, but that's what Rosemary's Baby does so well, is like at the end, when we pan out from the apartment and you just see like the New York City skyline, it's like, they could be your neighbors. They could be anybody. Oh, yeah. Like just just totally blending into to society. And I think they gets. I don't know if Ira Levin was influenced by the seventh victim or what, but if not, it's a big coincidence because it's the same thing at play.
0: It feels... Exactly the same of just these people like that's I was so and this was before I even I was watching this before I even saw your post about that but I was I felt I felt seen and validated seeing your post about right. it because <laughs> yeah. watching the seventh victim like this is so Rosemary's fucking baby with just these completely normal just weirdos right in their Maybe secret they're a little society older. yeah. You walk no. in the one of the first times you meet some of them is like they're they're having a they're having a little party and playing card games, <laughs> like.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you meet the other ones, they're at work. Yeah, like at the cosmetics company, which isn't like it's not like oh the makeup will turn everybody into monsters. It's like, at midnight. It's just a, <laughs> yeah, it's just a cosmetics company. You know, yeah, like they have jobs. They go to work every fucking day. Yeah,
0: they go to work. They sometimes kill investigators, and they sometimes. Uh, Sneak into your shower and tell you menacing things. But otherwise, they're just normal people that you would see shopping. That's like, I mean, yeah, that end of Rosemary's Baby, that panning out. Also, I think of um, another one that kind of haunts me like that, thinking about just the the potential for widespread there everywhere. And maybe we don't know. It's like the end of The Invitation when you see all those lanterns light up across L.A. Mm -hmm. From everywhere. Like every Mm -hmm. single house has a red lantern flying up in the air. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you've seen that movie, you know what that means. Um, it's terrifying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the whole serial killer next door, except it's a whole coven. Yeah. You know? It's scary.
0: All of them it's witches.
1: Scary. All of them witches, you know? And, what, And you know, now we're at the point where it's like, you have something like the Lords of Salem, where it's like, well, then you just join them. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know? I don't know that it's always willingly. Like, I don't know that that's willingly in that movie. But, you know, that's kind of the thing. It's like, do you... Or I mean, that's even teased at the end of Rosemary's Baby. It's like, is she just going to take care of this kid now?
0: Yeah, now she's mom. You know? I don't know. Listen, we all want to be Satan's nanny. Or <laughs> or Danny. at, the, at We all want to be the May Queen, you know? <laughs>
1: Right. Yes.
0: If you can't beat them, put on your sparkly dress. And go hang out with them.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, they're having dinner parties and shit.
0: Yeah.
1: It's more exciting than doctor, lawyer, and that fucking poet.
0: Oh my so. god! That goddamn poet. He's just so <laughs> such a fuckboy. boy. Why is he there?
1: I know. Why is he there? Does Why it... is he uh. there? They could have
0: easily reduced him or Ward into one character. Hmm. Uh, And didn't need some poets. Look into your heart.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine someone says, oh, my sister's been missing for six months. I'm here to find her. My advice is to look into your heart. Do you really want to find your sister? (laughs) Fuck you. Motherfucker, you just met me. You don't know shit.
0: That's why I say you're blocked from my Facebook.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Take a seat. (laughs) Stay in your lane. Take a seat in your fucking lane. Yep. Mind your beeswax. Yep. Sheesh,
0: yeah, jerk jerk, man, and those Satanists, like i it, it it is funny, I mean seeing how like that 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 simultaneous banality but also the menace, um and it's funny that they're kind of neutered in a way because they are nonviolent, right, but watching them like this history they have with her because you know she went missing for six months or because she was in prison, basically, and Watching watching these sequences where they recapture her because she has she has escaped and has gone off doing her own thing, but but then she gets recaptured later towards the end of the film, um, Jacqueline is. And watching her just sitting there, and they just sit and stare at her, and they just try to encourage her to kill herself. And they they just have a glass, a goblet of poison, and they're just like, Why aren't you drinking it? Just drink it. And she's like, I'm thirsty. And can I have some water? And they're like, Well, if you're thirsty, right drink the poison to the point that it's almost funny but how uncomfortable it is when mrs reed just stands up and slowly slides the goblet even closer to her to the edge of the table Mm -hmm. and it's just Mm -hmm. you're just sitting in a room full of totally normal people in their party dresses saying kill
1: yourself like (laughs) yeah just trying to break you down and manipulate you into just killing yourself
0: yeah they're so much so
1: much more (laughs) yeah no kidding it's so much more frightening than just like if they just stabbed her, you know. Yeah. For sure.
0: Because then also, I mean, it's 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 on her at the same time. They're right. they're they're alleviated of whatever. I mean, they encouraged it. Mm-hmm. But it it kind of makes it all the more like all the more existentially, what's the point is like, well, she was th- killed by a satanic cult, but maybe she was going to do it anyway. But now she's just dead. And what now they're just collecting makeup money. <laughs> like
1: It's so <laughs> it's so dark. It is dark. I love it. And then it's gay. It is gay. gay. Tell us. Talk. Talk all about it. Tell me all about it. Well, uh, you have Jacqueline, when she ran the makeup company, one of her employees was named Francis, and Mm -hmm. apparently Francis and Jacqueline were very close.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: close to the point that Francis is one of the pallidists, she's in the little coven group, whatever you want to call it, and as they are trying to get Jacqueline to kill herself by drinking the poison from the goblet, Francis fucking loses her shit, It's like, I can't watch this anymore! And she's, like, screaming and, like, sobbing and clinging to Jacqueline and talking about how the only time she was ever happy is when she was working for Jacqueline. Yep. Like, sobbing in a way that, like, I don't care the best boss you've ever had in your life, you would not cry over them like this. No, no, you would
0: still remember the time that they made you fold scarves. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, they made you stay an hour later or didn't give you the day off you wanted or whatever. Yeah,
0: like, you would still remember. I mean, look at Mrs. Reddy doesn't have who it was her partner, her business partner. Mrs. Reddy doesn't have that problem. She just slides but, the poison closer to her. It's like drink up.
1: <laughs> yeah, no one has that reaction except Francis. Uh It's super duper coded. The whole thing is coded that, like, the paladists have their super secret Satan club. Like, they are centered in Greenwich Village.
0: Yeah, they're in the fucking
1: village. They're in the village, which, of course, was, you know, the center of, like, gay life back in those days. Um... There's the gay theater troupe that kind of saves Jacqueline, like inadvertently saves her. Um, They
0: they finish doing their show and they immediately leave entirely in costume. They don't take (laughs) any of their costume (laughs) off. They just go in their full Roman attire to get drunk at the bar. And she just gets absorbed into their their group as someone's fucking chasing her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just like it's the overtone the undertones are barely undertones i would say yeah
0: well it's fascinating too that it is i think that that question of location is the queerest thing i mean besides francis it's the queerest thing about this movie is that it is it's located in a it's a queer universe Mm -hmm. um with i mean with the actors with just the location of the of greenwich village itself uh and yet none of that is put onto any of the pallidus like it's not an evil gay cult
1: no that's like the thing, francis is, like, is one of
0: them but
1: francis is one of them but it's like none of even if you look at it as like if you pick up on oh it's greenwich village the gay 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 it's like the <laughs> characters are not gay villains it's way more subtle than that yeah it's it's, know, it's it's everything. A, where
0: gay people it just happens to be where gay people exist
1: Right, yeah.
0: And one of them is part of the cult, but otherwise there's also ones that save Jacqueline.
1: Right. It's not, uh, you take something like Rebecca, the movie. Yeah. uh, Where you have Mrs. Danvers, the uh, really super obviously gay housekeeper, who is a villain uh and kind of skirts that like look i love mrs danvers i love rebecca that's a fucking classic movie um but it's that whole like is she evil because she's gay like when it's the gay character is the evil character and the two get conflated because um
0: naturally
1: <laughs> naturally i mean duh but that doesn't really happen here yeah all of all the gay content and everything is much more complex and subtle than that yeah
0: and, and and that's what – I mean, that's what signals to me that, like, I don't think this is a – my question earlier about, like, well, is this a, a fear story about, like, becoming an independent businesswoman or, or not following – you know, of, of ch- encouraging you not to follow Mrs. Gilchrist's advice of not going out and living in the world, um, not running back to your school, like – if if it really was that then, if it was a, this is what happens when you move to the big city and start a makeup empire, like, then it, <laughs> it, it would also be, and they're all gay, and they're all right. evil, and mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're going to turn you gay, and then you're going to kill yourself. Like, it's, it, it's a really, and that, I think that deliciously complicates the grayness of this world, where it's like, it's a queer universe, they're surrounded by queer characters, one of them is a Satanist, but also
1: right but also
0: but also this movie is a lot of but also
1: (laughs) yeah but also there's this character but also there's this part like it does really throw a lot at the screen
0: you know the only extraneous character we really truly need in this movie is the the newsy crone yeah,
1: I love newsy I crone. Like, extra murder, read all about it. <laughs> <laughs> extra murder, read all. Like, oh, I love newsy crone. Why is she? You ne- why you is never she see a newsy? A, you, ne- you never see a newsy crone. Like the newsy is always the like uh, nine year old boy. Yeah, right? like something extra, extra. You never see a crone in that position. Yeah, at best you get like a a teenage cockney.
0: You never get. <laughs> yeah. You never get the oldest. You get is Christian Bale and Newsies. You don't exactly. You don't get newsy Crone. I no. love her.
1: Just so good for her, and good for whoever hired her for hiring outside of the norm.
0: See say. this film: anti-establishment, anti misogynist anti-ageist uh, film. Mm-hmm. You can be. You can be a beautiful vampy woman and run a makeup empire. You can be. An elderly gal who is also a newsy. <laughs> you can be gay and not take off your theater costume and go out to drink.
1: <laughs> newsy Crone. Newsy Crone. Extra See, murder! <laughs> she could have a much bigger part in a remake.
0: She should, yeah, Newsy Crone should help solve the mystery.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't need, honestly, we don't need Ward
0: or Jason. It could just be no. Mary and Newsie Crone. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, please. <laughs> I love it. I love this movie. I love it. I get it that people watch it and they're like, huh? Well, because it does feel a little like a bunch of puzzle pieces that sometimes they fit together perfectly. Sometimes maybe they're not cut quite right. Yeah. Yeah. But I still
0: think it just it really does work.
1: Oh, as, as a, a whole, and and I, and I, yeah, and I think sure. so
0: much of that is just Gene Brooks and that ending.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There, there's just something so that that the sheer commitment to darkness and to existentialism, yeah, that comes through with that her. You just don't see. Yeah,
1: it's just. I love how sin- the whole thing just feels sinister. Like, I realize it was all shot, you know, on a studio lot or whatever. It's not like they're actually in New York City, but it's typical Val Luton shit. It's like dark alleyways, shadows everywhere, people lurking quietly that may be following you and watching you or maybe not. It's just like, like, it's just really, you're kind of on edge through the whole thing, you mm-hmm. know? Evil lurks about every. Single corner. Yeah. And in the darkness.
0: Yeah, it's very, I mean, it's very effective in that, in creating that dread. Like, I mean, like the Shining or like uh, even Hagazusa level, like dread of just, mm-hmm. just hopeless, crazy dread. And and I think for this mm-hmm. one, particularly centering it around the existentialism of existence is really what makes this one so um unique. And especially for that, for this era it is oh yeah it's you've never seen anything like this in a movie from this time
1: right because what kind of i mean people don't want to watch people be depressed right like especially hot babes especially hot babes but it's just gonna like turn it back on you and it's gonna end up making you feel bad so what do we get for movies where people are depressed like jennifer aniston and cake who had some (laughs) kind of skin problem or something and she was depressed right
0: I didn't see it but I I like that this is where he went with it. Well, that's case. where
1: Hollywood goes. With yeah. it. That's where that's what depression is. Like there's a I think um Tully does a very good job of a specific flavor of depression.
0: Oh, I need to see that. I mean Young Adult too. I Young Adult. I love that movie.
1: You know, and I just don't know that it appeals to everybody because it's like, well, who wants to watch people Well, be but that's the thing is because
0: it 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 and I don't I I thought Young Adult was a lot funnier the first time I saw it when I was just drunk. But then when I watched it again later, I was like, oh, this is actually just sad. But I love it so much. Um, but a lot of those depression kind of stories kind of go along with like sort of an indie kind of mumble mumblecore sensibility where it's, it kind of right. becomes like lighthearted. Like um, uh, Little Miss Sunshine is right. a really similar story in in many ways. Like all the characters are depressed. And all mm-hmm. of them are looking for something, but you know, it's like everyone comes together, and it's cute and sweet, and like, isn't this unique and funny and quaint? Um, and we right. we're depressed and we're alone, and existence is over, and Steve Carell tried to kill himself, but at least we all have each other, even if our dead grandpa's in the van. Like, yeah, there's always there's always like there there has to be a silver lining that makes it like relatable or cute for people, or like bittersweet. Um, seventh victim right. well, is just bitter. There's no no
1: seventh seventh victim is like we're all doomed. We were doomed at the start. and We're doomed at the end, bitch. Yeah, because like even Baba Joke, it's like that's the whole point of that weird ending. Is like she's learning to live with this. Yeah, like that's literally the metaphor. She's like, it's feeding.
0: Not, she finds a way to feed the depression and cope with she it. She
1: finds a way to cope with it rather than because you can't get rid of it. Right. Yeah. But it's still a kind of a happy ending. It's like, oh, the depressed person got on medication. Yeah. I mean, Babadook, if it was
0: truly hopeless, she would have just killed herself.
1: Yeah. She would have just killed the kid and then killed herself.
0: Yeah. Well, more importantly, yeah, killed the kid. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but so the seventh victim is so unique in that it just really goes all in yeah yeah on and that doom shit
0: i can't really think of another movie that has has that level of dark and that's what's just so shocking is that this is 1943 and mm-hmm. and it is it is the most emo poetry you will ever see yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: God, I do, while I'm watching it, I do think about how bad I would look with that hair.
0: You know, not everyone can pull it off. I mean, even Courtney, not even every, Courtney not Cox tried everyone. with Scream 3, and <laughs> it, yeah. it doesn't
1: work. It does not work with everybody. Boy, oh boy.
0: Yeah, it's a hard look to pull off. And it, man, Jean Brooks just does it.
1: Mm-hmm. It,
0: it. That haircut, it's, yeah. it's also not perfect. Like, it's very asymmetrical and jagged, and.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a wig.
0: She just makes it work.
1: She makes that wig work well. I mean, it's one of the, that's how Mary identifies her. She goes. She doesn't have a photograph of her. She just goes to everybody in New York City. Just like everybody who sees her would never forget her. Yeah. Tell. I love when she goes. Oh, I wish I could describe her to you. Um, she was tall
0: and had brown hair. And they're immediately like, Oh, you look like you could be her sister. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing is this this woman lingers with you. Uh, and just for every right. move, every character in the movie, this she has had such an impact on them and. Ling- Fingers with them, in the same way that the the, the character and the Gene Brooks does as as an effect for the viewer. You will never forget this of Jacqueline. Right. You will never forget how she looks. You will never forget the sound of the chair hitting the floor at the very mm-hmm. last shot of the movie.
1: So check it out if you know what's good. Check out Seventh Victim. I'm gonna
0: have to watch Cat People now, man.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's black and white, Stacey. It's old. I know. Uh, well, at, at least it doesn't have subtitles, though.
0: At so. least it doesn't have. So that would be the breaking point. Absolutely. Coming for you, Bergman. Well, Satan Month is on its way. <laughs> <laughs> Starting Satan it Month is. with a suicidal little film. Uh, but it is truly, truly a, a great, influential, very influential horror
1: very influential. I mean, film
0: noir. Great,
1: great double feature with Rosemary's Baby. That's for sure. Oh
0: my god, I just love these this branch of Satanists of just yeah the banal, just like can't be bothered Satanists, nonviolent Satanists.
1: <laughs> you know these Satanists get shit done. Yeah, they don't have. They don't.
0: They, they don't, don't have kooky plans. They don't waste their time making weird records and placing them somewhere in the hopes that someone will find it.
1: I think it's because they're not, they don't wear robes. I was going to say. They're they're not into all of the accoutrements. They're just living their lives.
0: I was going to say, is it a question of budgeting? Because we've talked about this with Satanists and their plans. And we've talked about, you know, we all saw it happen. Shelly Winters, she couldn't figure out how to get that goddamn coven together in, in Initiation of Sarah. And, you know, she she was too concerned with that hedge maze, hedge maze and the ritual uh, and those mm-hmm. robes. But if she maybe maybe if they had a better accountant who said, listen, yeah. we've been spending all of our money on robes that now we can only afford to make one record to put out in the world <laughs> in the hopes that someone plays it backwards. And then and then the apocalypse is all is triggered, you know.
1: Well, I think it's a matter of what is important to the Satanists. If someone says, I'm going to start a Satanist cult, coven, whatever. And then the first thing they do is go buy robes and go buy candles and all of the goo gaws that go along with it. Or are you just a Satanist and then you bust out the bullshit at the right time? Like Rosemary's Baby... They give the Antichrist a bassinet that is draped in black lace.
0: (laughs) It is so God.
1: It's so fucking goth, but that's the only touch. They're not all sitting around in robes at the same time. They're just dressed like normal their, everyday people. They're in their cocktail
0: attire at
1: best. Yeah, so the ethos is important to the, to them and to the paladists and the seventh victim. And quite frankly, they get shit done. Yeah, save the bells
0: and whistles for later. Just, you know, maybe if, if you weren't trying to create these intricate plans and concerned with your hedge mazes, you know, maybe, maybe you can make it happen. Mm -hmm. maybe you just maybe you just all you need is a goblet of poison or uh a a group bullying ethic Mm -hmm. maybe that will work way better that's
1: what i'm saying then just
0: running for hot topic we've all seen this every teenage wiccan or every itty gay person who comes out and has the gay explosion and goes and buys all the rainbow everything (sighs) what if you channeled that energy elsewhere
1: Mm mm-hmm just saying it's just a little tip for Satan month so Satanists who get stuff done well,
0: well good, job.
1: <laughs> good job good job
0: good <laughs> job good job you're Satanist who took a business class that's what exactly it's not these art school Satanists that's <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> true who are like well I didn't get any professional practices but I did get
0: these great robes it's a fiber art no,
1: but come, come look at my bedroom though yeah <laughs>
0: Ghost projectors (laughs) and a red light. Have you ever seen Suspiria? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Satanist. Well, um, on that note, do we have a listener question today, Stacey?
1: Uh, uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Speaking of Bergman, uh, this question comes to us from Persona.
0: Oh! Although,
1: is it Persona? Because the O in their name... Is actually a zero. So perhaps this person's name is Persezerona.
0: Persezerona. Yeah. Yeah. I think so.
1: Uh, Persona, Persona's a good movie. Have you seen Persona?
0: Yes, I have.
1: It's good shit. I love that even Some... the people who made it are like, I don't know what it means.
0: It is a fucking bonkers <laughs> fest.
1: <laughs> it's bonkers. It's so good, though.
0: Yeah, it's the first Bergman movie I saw. And I was like, what the shit is happening to me? Yeah. <laughs> love
1: yeah, it. I saw an interview with Liv, Ull- Liv Ullman. And she uh. was like... Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Choose
0: your own adventure, baby.
1: Yeah, so that's a good one. Uh, Well, Persona asks, what are your best and worst examples? Oh, I didn't think of worst. Best and worst examples of editing and cinematography in horror. Yeah. We thought this would be a good one to tackle with The Seventh Victim. Obviously, like I said, those Val Lewton movies, baby.
0: It's a beautiful movie. It's Maybe, beautiful I mean, movie. Seventh Victim, gorgeous cinematography.
1: Maybe not the best editing, though. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah.
0: So this is this is a, a prime example of one that straddles both realms that we're talking about here. Yeah.
1: I literally did not think of worst. I thought, I, you know, I was like, I'm just going to eliminate the negative. Focus I, on the positive.
0: I was, honestly, I spent so long trying to think of anything. And then I was like, well, any movie that isn't on my list, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, any movie that best. I don't like. I ultimately do have a few answers, uh, but they're kind of general. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do have a few just to throw out there.
1: Well, editing was really difficult because it's like editing is it's like porn. Like, you know it when you see it, you know? (laughs) Like, trying to define pornography, right? Oh, versus,
0: like, Instagram, is there a nipple?
1: Right. Like, you know it when you see it, right? And so, like, bad editing, you know it when it's happening. Good editing, sometimes you know it when it's happening, but often you don't actually even really notice, maybe. Well, that's,
0: I think that's the sign of good editing, is you should be unaware of the cut.
1: Right. Or it's such a fantastic cut that you go, ooh.
0: Oh, I've never seen that before.
1: Really? Usually it'll happen on, like, the second... I mean, it happened... Oh, no, time. I mean, that's
0: what you say, is you say, oh, I've never seen that before.
1: Oh, 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 I thought you had never, like, experienced that.
0: No, I don't like movies. I've never... Ex- have. <laughs> I've never experienced joy.
1: Re- it's really... That was one of the things about doing the um, 31 Days of Suspiria, is that, like, really kind of taking out a magnifying glass and looking at some of this, and you realize, like, what good editing can do to reinforce a moment or make a point.
0: Oh yeah. Or affect yeah. A,
1: or affect a mood, you know? And you might not really absorb that the first time you're watching a film. Yes. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: I mean that's why I actually
0: I had to go really modern with my answers. Um and I zeroed in on like, well, three particular movies, uh, four or five. Uh, movies that I've been recently watching and re watching. Um where I really zeroed in on the editing and the cinematography. Uh, Otherwise, like, thinking of the classics, you know, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, like, on my list, I'm like, Halloween, fucking gorgeous movie. yeah.
1: Yeah. Dean
0: Cundey, cinematographer, amazing editing. Um, It's so fucking simple. It's so beautiful. It's so effective. Uh, Psycho and the Exorcist. Like, Mm -hmm. can you do better than those, you know? Yeah. Um, But then I had to go more modern with my answers because... Otherwise, it's it's it is something hard to zero in on. I mean, cinematography we can all be like, well, the original nineteen seventy seven Suspiria, right? Right. Yeah. But like to really zero in on like what what is what is something where the film is particularly in many respects kind of made by the editing or by the cinematography mm-hmm. um, that can be kind of hard to. To parse down, like, what is a good movie because of the acting, the writing, the blah, blah, blah. And what's a great movie because of the editing. I mean, that's something I've always stood by. It's like an editor is a strong co-author of a film to the point where I don't... Sometimes I don't understand why directors get all the attention when an editor is what makes the product. Right. Um, and makes... Tells the viewer what they're going to experience. mm mm-hmm. um, so I guess should I just go for it with my sure. my moderns? So um, I mean I already I already listed off you know Halloween, Psycho, Exorcist, nineteen seventy seven Suspiria. Um, going a little bit further into the modern things that I've been thinking of, uh, Midsummer, for me was a huge one. Mm. Um, and this came through with I think because and I I didn't really think of this until I saw the director's cut of Midsummer. Which I just was not that into it. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, it turns out one of my favorite movies can be too long, was my (laughs) response to the director's cut. Uh, I was not aware of the length or the pace or the feel of watching Midsummer. I was enthralled all the way through it until I saw the director's cut. And then I was like, God, how long is this? Wow. Because it turns out an editor exists for a reason. Mm -hmm. So I thought Midsummer has fucking fantastic editing because to achieve that flow and to take a viewer through this nightmare experience, um, you need to fully let go of of yourself to be into the story. And you can't do that if you're hung up on how long it's taking. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Midsummer is a good one for that. Um, Blair Witch, having just rewatched this for our show and in the theater, Blair Witch is a gorgeous movie and I... That movie, next to Heather Donahue's performance, I think is single handedly made by the editing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: those cuts, like you, like on our episode, you, cho- you talked about just the jarringness of the cuts from them walking to suddenly it's pitch black and Heather shouting "hello" out into the darkness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, those, in- I know those fucking incidental cuts of them talking about the witch, and you just see bits of coffin rock or them walking through the forest and then talking about their hopelessness and you see cuts of just trees in 16 millimeter, um, Editing and cinematography for me with Blair Witch. Beautiful movie. Uh, I went a little bit older actually for one um, because I just did a screening of this and all I can say is man oh man I have the biggest fucking crush on this movie and it's Daughters of Darkness. <laughs> the editing in that film, the cinematography, the soundtrack... Every aspect of its creation, all the way down, like all the way down to the the fucking bow on top that is Delphine's performance in that. It's a perfect mm-hmm.
1: movie. I. This makes me feel like a proud mother, like that my <laughs> that my child is doing so well in the world. <laughs> so I was like, oh, we should do Daughters of Darkness.
0: And I'm like, what's that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll
1: watch it's that like- movie, bof <laughs> and so just that it struck such a chord and you love it so much is you know i i
0: I think it is the sexiest movie ever made um next to the next movie on my film which is (laughs) the lighthouse uh you you have not seen the lighthouse um man this editing the cinematography i mean the witch was great uh, but I think just as an experiment in filmmaking, the lighthouse is incredible and it is so fucking bonkers. It takes you on a journey you don't even know where. And it would not it would not work in the hands of any other editor, or cinematographer or director than Robert Eggers. Um, I'm obsessed. Uh, love it. Um, and then, obvious, this has to be said because I cannot sing the praises of this movie enough. I don't think either of us can. I think the last 31 days on Final Girl have (laughs) have said this. I truly think and this is why I come for everybody. I mean, people did this with Midsummer, but they especially did it with Suspiria 2018. Is people saying, why is Klimperer in there? Why is it so long? Blah, blah, blah. That is some of the best editing. And I think your posts on 31 Days of Final Girl have proven how effective that editing is that even just you noticing things like, oh, Griffith um, kills herself right around, or, you know, right before Griffith kills herself, we get a cut to Sarah nodding down. Right. It has, s- seeing you zero in on those moments and how this film is cut, not just, I mean, we, we, we've sung the praises of Luca, of Dakota, of all the actors, of, of David Kajnagich's amazing screenplay. Um, but the editing is what brings it all together. Mm-hmm. And it is, I think, one of the best edited movies. I mean, obviously I'm saying it's a Spirit* because it's *The Spirit*, but I, I really, truly believe it's one of the best edited movies in terms of telling a story that I've ever seen, so...
1: I agree, and it was on my list.
0: I'm sorry to take it away from you. I know. No, it's, that's fine. I know Let's it's your gal. Celebrate. Let's celebrate okay.
1: it together. No, but like you said, it's like zeroing in on things, and you realize how deliberate... You'd like to think that every movie is full of nothing but deliberate moments, but I don't think that that's true.
0: Sadly, pretty much, I mean, half the movies we've watched for the show have proven that's not the case.
1: Right. Yeah. Or just like, and I think Suspiria is a really good example of when you really give it your attention and dig into it. It's, that there are. It's. <laughs>
0: it is pure intention.
1: Yeah, it's pure intention. Um like that's the scene where Susie and Sarah are talking and Sarah's like you've made a deal with them. Like that scene like where do, <laughs> oh <my> the, <laughs> the the camera is on like behind Susie and it looks like they're standing really close together and then the, it cuts to a side shot and we see how much space there is in between them at that yes. point. Like just yes. really deliberate things like that that aren't you're not the first time you see the movie you're not struck by it. But then once you really get into it and you see, like, well, what does that mean? Like, what is that shot showing us? It's like it's just a pure sort of all-encompassing cinematic – it's it's cinema, you know, where yeah. the editing and the shots mean something. Yeah, it's, it's not just pretty to look at.
0: And it's bizarre that it functions in that way because it is constantly giving you information and yet it's not didactic either.
1: Right, right. Yeah, so, Speria. Could have just been Mm -hmm. the whole list, honestly.
0: Just Speria, man.
1: (laughs) But uh, a movie, see, that's the thing, is like cinematography and editing, like especially cinematography, but it's like some movies you can cite because they're gorgeous. Some of them you can cite because of the execution and the intent that the execution imparts. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. and so a movie that may not be beautiful to look at but I think is a pretty astonishing example of cinematography and editing is record yeah 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 that it doesn't feel edited until it deliberately feels edited um I what a what a marvel of cinematography mm-hmm The choreography of that film, just, it feels very natural. It feels completely pure. It feels like what it's supposed to be. Yes. Which is this reporter and her cameraman filming what's happening. Yes. You know. The other, I mean, the Blair Witch is the only other movie, and that's because that's what Blair Witch actually was, (laughs) was these people filming it. Record is a movie that feels like that. Yes. And it's the only one, really to me uh another movie Yeah, there's I think... not many that work like that no found footage that's the thing is found footage doesn't always work that way yeah um i think the house of the devil to
0: mm. get a
1: little satantastic i think that's really well edited um by the director so it's exactly what he wanted to have like it's exactly the movie he wanted to make ty west mm-hmm um and i love how he's willing to let moments hang and build the tension and then so that nice. that walkman scene man the, mm. I, I just i love house of the devil and that's
0: editing that um i mean the the editing and the cinematography also are used to create the period Yes. It's not just American Horror Story 1984. Let's 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 put on Halloween <laughs> wigs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the actual techniques of the film that make it period. Kind of like The Lighthouse, too. Like, it's, you know, it's, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a Marvel um, cinematography that just really is beautiful. I mean, The Shining.
0: Mm, yeah, it's gorgeous.
1: Right. It's, you know, it's so cold and not... Not just because it's like winter and the snow is up to their eyeballs, but just the symmetry of it, like Kubrick always has that like remove or something. do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. to his films like yeah a, kind it's of a,
0: a clinical cl- They're clinicality,
1: yeah, but I don't know the shining it really I love it in the shining all those hallways and doorways and all that I just the- the symmetry really appeals to me. Man, I need
0: to watch it again.
1: Yeah. It's good.
0: <laughs> I need to get over my hate of Jack Nicholson's character in that and of the you know, what the reality of uh Shelley and what happened there, but and just watch
1: Well, it I don't know if you have to get over Jack hating Jack Nicholson. I think I think what happened to Shelley Duval, I think that's enough to put someone off of the movie.
0: Yeah. I guess I and just that's need to watch understandable. it and find out how to appreciate things about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've always not I've always disliked Jack Nicholson's performance in it. Yeah. Even while loving it, but... um, I would say The Haunting is another one. 1963, uh, of course. But that big, beautiful house. Big, hideous, beautiful house, if you know yeah. what I mean. Um, Just the cinematography really is incredibly evocative and establishes a mood and makes that house seem really super fucked up. Yeah. Uh, and a modern film that just was gorgeous. Uh, Hagazusa. I don't Beautiful. think it's that well edited. I think it could have. I think that movie could have been trimmed. Um,
0: that last third at least.
1: Yeah, that could have been trimmed. But man, that movie is a sight to behold.
0: It is gorgeous.
1: It's gorgeous. So yeah, that's my list. That's my list. Deal with it. I'm, maybe I will. <laughs> I don't care. Are you sure you uh, don't care? I don't care. Deal with it or don't. It's your business. You know what else is your business, listeners, is if you want to send us a question. Uh, you can, if you feel like it. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Gaylords of Darkness. We're on Twitter, Gaylords of D. We're on email, Gaylords at Gaylords of dot com. Uh, if you, you can, type
0: in some combination of Gaylords and Darkness.
1: You'll find us.
0: You'll find us. <laughs>
1: yeah uh you know whatever leave us a i like that like all of the itunes reviews talk about suspiria i I finally i finally checked i finally checked them out i was like i wonder what we've got going on and i got a little self-indulgent was like i'm gonna look at these reviews and everybody was like suspiria so i feel like people makes me feel like people actually listen to the show so they listen and they they,
0: you make us feel seen you
1: make us sigh (laughs) oh brother Stacey, um, I hate
0: to do this, oh, but I have to cut back to the list really quick.
1: Oh, oh, wow, okay, that's gross. I know. Go ahead,
0: I know. <laughs> you might have to do some switching here. Um, I just have to interrupt and go back to the list uh, because as you were talking about record, I was thinking about another movie that I really want to include because it's new. I want our listeners to watch it. I want you to watch it, and I think it is hilarious. I love this movie. Um, I wouldn't have really thought of this for editing or cinematography, but the, as I was listening to you talk about Record and why it works for you, I couldn't stop thinking about one cut of The Dead. Mm. Uh, this is a new movie that's on Shutter. It's a Japanese film. Uh, it's basically, it basically starts off as a found footage movie of a one-cut take um, where a crew is filming a, a zombie movie, and then actual zombies start to attack them. Um, as I watched this movie, I wouldn't have ever thought this is great editing because it goes so weird. It makes some bizarre choices. As we watched it in the theater, I could feel the audience rebelling from this movie and people getting ready to leave, but we all stuck with it. By the time you get to the end of the movie and you understand what you have watched, all the editing and all the cinematography makes perfect sense to the point that you you feel like Oprah and you feel duped. Um I love it. I highly recommend One Cut of the Dead. It is fucking hilarious. So check it out. Fine. (laughs) And now you can cut back.
1: Good. Uh, well, I mean, I guess goodbye. (laughs) Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know,
0: right? Is it over?
1: It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my my god! God. Oh my my god! God. Tune in next
0: time for more Gaylord! (laughs)
1: Ha 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 ha.